hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe. Coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. Here on the WRSU crew, a Monday summer edition. Eddie Kalegi with you alongside David Palumbo in studio. Dennis Geisler and Brett Hahn joining you via Zoom lot to get to. We are under two weeks away from the beginning of the fall sports season at Rutgers. We've got some Rutgers football audio, which we'll be starting with today. Also going to talk some Major League Baseball, probably some NFL as well. So you'll want to stick around for that throughout today's show. A reminder, uh, just two weeks left in the summer before we get back into the traditional crew schedule but for now mondays and tuesdays six to eight fridays four to six and all episodes are available after the fact on spotify but let's get right into it uh coach greg shiano met with the media earlier today and we have some audio from that so let's play coach shiano chatting with the media greg had a chance to watch the film and all anything else you could tell us from saturday yeah that seems so long ago Right, we've done so much since then, but uh, yeah, let me think here a little bit. I think we're getting better on the front. I mean, it's you know, it's by inches, but we're getting better. Um, that's just going to have to be a steady climb the entire season for us to be effective on in our schedule. Um, I thought. Before Chris Long got bumped, he, he did some really good things. Uh, the quarterback deal, they, they all made some plays, and then they all made some things they wish they could have back. So, you know, it leaves us in, in this block again, guys competing for the job, so, which is okay. I'm not, that's fine. You know, uh, we have right now, it's, we're in the dog days of camp, right? Where you can't see the, you can't see where you started that daylight, and you can't see the daylight at the end. So right now it's about building mental toughness and building cumulative reps. That's what we're going to do. Well, in that similar vein, in, in those days since the first day of camp, what, where have you guys seen I, the most progress and what are some areas? It's a similar question, but just where do you want to go for the next half of camp going into the game? Well, with? as I told you, the entire season is going to have to be an O-line progression. But we are progressing, so that's good. Um, I think we have depth at the wide receiver position. It's just competition. Who's, you know, we generally play three at a time. So who are going to be the first three, and then who are going to be the the next three that sub in for them? Um, same thing on the O line. Who are going to be the first five, and then who are going to be the the three that sub in for them? Defensively, the young linebacker crew is coming along, um, and you know, young. Dion isn't young chronologically but he's young playing um, but he's doing a good job with the exception of one play I thought he really he really had a pretty good scrimmage um, secondary's playing pretty well they're you know they had some contested balls and they didn't make the play on the contested balls but that'll come I judge it are you in the right place and do you have your vision in the right place you know eyes are everything back there if you have your eyes in the right place your ability will take over. Have you seen any changes defensively with Coach Harris Simiak? Uh, have you seen that unit coming along maybe faster than the offense so far? Oh, I don't know. Everybody wants to say slower, faster. I, I do see some real positive changes. And the biggest one is the connection that the defensive staff has with the players. 
I mean, they're playing and coaching for one another. It's really fun to watch. Um, but I don't know how far ahead or behind. You know, they, they made some plays. They give up some plays. So right now, it's a this is a tough week right here. This week's a tough one. What are your expectations for Kess Abraham as he kind of takes the next step after the strides he made last year? Yeah, he did make strides. Um, he's going to be part of the rotation at corner. We what we love to do is rotate guys and keep them fresh, right? Because what do you do in the whole game? You know, uh, unless you're playing some zone defenses like we do at times, you're chasing people all over the field, really fast guys. So we like to rotate, but you know, if you don't have that depth, you can't. Right now we do. It's a blessing. So we're gonna we're gonna roll guys, and when Kess is in there, he plays with great energy, great focus. He's a very physical guy. Um, he brings something to our defense for the. the the spirit of our defense. We haven't asked about tight ends much during camp. What have you seen out of that group so far? Well, you know, they're they're a good group. We've been a little bumped at times, right? So this guy practices one day and then he doesn't practice the next day. That makes it feel kind of uh, disjointed. I look forward to when we get the whole crew going together again. But what that's allowed is it's allowed some young guys, you know, like Mike Higgins, like a... Like a, a Victor Kanopka to get more reps than they maybe would have gotten otherwise. Um, so, you know, it's good There's silver lining there. Second year for Efine on a D-line. What's your expectations for him this year? Well, number one, you know, it's been great to have him in camp. If you remember, he missed all of camp last year. So I think that's going to serve him really well. I don't think Efine really got to play in his level of football until midseason. I'm hoping that he enters the season right, you know, at that level and then just goes like this. So... Let's let's uh, keep our fingers crossed. What, what have you seen from from Wesley Bailey so far this, this camp, and and what do you see his role being this season? Yeah, Wesley has stepped up. You know, I mean, you've seen him physically, right? He's he looks like a different guy. He's 250 something pounds. He looks like a Big Ten end, um, and he's playing really really hard, and he's playing really well. So we're, we need him to play that way. On the defensive line, you've mentioned wanting to roll in a lot of guys. Just how? Do you have an idea of distribution of snaps? Are some guys going to have a snap limit? Just what is that rotation on the defensive line? Say on the defensive the, or offensive? The defensive line. The defensive, defensive line. yeah. Well, we'll have our first four, and they'll go out there to start the game, uh, unless we start in a three-man front. But, you know, basically we're thinking of four guys. And then uh, Coach Watson will substitute guys throughout the game. He just brings them in and out. We feel really good with, heck, I'd say ten guys probably. Like, we feel like they know it. They go in there. You may lose a little something here, but you get a little something here. So uh, we're going to roll a lot of guys, and I really do. I leave that up to Coach Watson. Um, number one, he has a plan for the whole game to make sure that in the fourth quarter we can rush the passer, um, you know, or in the fourth quarter we can stop the run and get the ball back, whichever way the game's going, right? So we try to have the D-line fresh by rotating them throughout the game. It's harder to play. When you rush the passer, it's harder it's harder to rush the passer than it is to protect the passer as far as your conditioning and your wind. I think uh, before the spring even, we talked about the overall competitiveness of the program and how it was rising and it was the highest level it had been since you came back. How is that kind of manifested against itself now in, in camp and, and what are you seeing out of the practice? Before? Today was, I just got done telling the team, today was like a heavyweight fight. They got some, they caught some right on a kisser and they got stunned and then they settled down, came back and Punch the other guy. And that's the way, when you, have a, when you have a team that's on the rise, that's what practice looks like. It's not one-sided, lopsided, or the other. It's back and forth.
That was Coach Greg Schiano talking with the media. One other thing we have to play, Brett Hahn got a chance to talk to Rutgers Scarlet Knights wide receiver Shameen Jones, so let's play that for you as well. Welcome back to WRSU 88.7 FM, New Brunswick. I'm Brett Hahn, joined alongside Rutgers wide receiver Shameen Jones. And Shameen, uh, coming off a 7-9 season last year, but you made a bowl game against yes, Wake Forest. Uh, how's the energy been throughout training camp after that appearance? Uh, very competitive, you know. Uh, everybody has their eyes set on some big, big expectations for this year, so we're trying to take every day, day by day, to get better. And, and the wide receiver room's got some depth to it, a, a lot of new recruits, uh, the return of Aaron Crookshank from an injury. How excited are you to get going with these guys this year, and how what are we uh, what are we to expect from the wide receiver course this year? Yeah, you are to expect some very big things. I mean, you got some great guys in the room, Sean Ryan, Aaron Crookshank, Todd Harris, Isaiah Washington. You know, the list goes on. It's just a ton of boilers, and we're just ready to go. And for this season, coming off a bowl game, were there any initial expectations higher than what you had last year at this time? Not really any expectations. We just want to keep improving every year. Uh, just take it as far as we can. Just won't take one day at a time. Keep chopping every single game. Uh, I think we'll do it pretty well. And, and this is your sixth year, correct? Yes. Your grad year. So with your last season inbound, what do you what are you trying to do personally take that maybe over. you haven't done? Take over. That's all I got to say. Take it over. Take it over is you mean in terms of production on the field or just as a team? Well, definitely in terms of production, team-wise, we just got to keep locking in. We don't have much time left, so everybody's got to buy into the culture. Go head on with the program, take every team one time, one game at a time. Absolutely, absolutely. And just one one final question for you. So a topic of the offseason so far has been the quarterback competition. Mm-hmm. You know, Vedrill's the guy with the most experience, Gavin Wimsat, the future, and then Evan Simon had some snaps last season, and he's looking to expand on his role this year. Has there been any indication on, like, who has been the primary passer so far? I wish I could tell you. I don't know anything. We're just out here. Just every quarterback is different every single time. We're just trying to build chemistry with each one. So when the time does come, we're ready. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's nice meeting you. Thank you. Nice meeting you. Of course. All right. Back with you guys in just after this short break. Keep it locked in at WRCU 88.7 FM New Brunswick and online at WRCU.org. Well, we keep it here. That was uh, Brett Hahn talking with Rutgers wide receiver Shameen Jones. And Brett, I'll let you jump in since you got the chance to interview him. Most interesting thing I heard there, of course, kind of the obligated question with just three weeks remaining before the season starts, asking Shameen about the direction, at least if he knows anything, the indications about who's going to be starting a quarterback. And as he said, I know nothing and we're going to be ready no matter what. So uh, what do you take from what you saw from media availability today? And, you know, what direction this team could possibly go in the quarterback position? Yeah, I mean, even when listening to Coach Ciano's presser, there's no indication on which quarterback they would go with. I mean, it's very, very um, behind closed doors, the decision. So I, I, feel, I almost feel as though we're not going to figure it out until after this weekend's scrimmage. But um, uh, in terms of the, the atmosphere, um, you know, I didn't get an opportunity to go in until right after practice ended. But just listening to it, uh, it seems like the guys are very, very loud and active. Um, wide, wide receiver room specifically has guys that are competing for spots, but they're determined to work together as a group to ball out. Shameen Jones, you heard it. He's got the utmost confidence in not only himself, but what the team can do. And just listening to him speak, and the, the specific quote, I'm ready to take over, that just speaks volumes. And, and for today, just talking to him, seeing his mannerisms, uh, 
there there's no reason why he can't go out there and do everything that he says he's going to do with that mindset. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's going to be taking, you know, the next step with this team. He got a lot of playing time last year in the second half of the season with Crookshank and Melton both dealing with injuries. And, of course, Bo Melton no longer on the team. Crookshank, uh, of course, coming off of that big injury at the end of last year. So, Shameen Jones, whoever is throwing the ball, he's definitely going to be a target that's going to be targeted throughout the season. Uh, Dennis, over to you. You know, we talked a lot about this Rutgers football team after last week's media availability, but... Just as we get a week closer into the season, given what we heard from Coach Shiano, Shameen Jones, what are you, how are you feeling about this Rutgers team, specifically heading into the non-conference stretch to begin the season? Because they have a couple of road games. One that we talked about last week is probably going to be arguably one of their more important games of the year against Boston College on the road to begin the season, then against Wagner and Temple. So how are you feeling about the direction of the program and where they're set and what they're looking like right now heading into those first three games before they get into the Big Ten slate. Uh, I'm, I'm going to one-up you, Brett. You said that we might not know a clearer indication of the quarterback until after the scrimmage. Uh, I feel like we're not going to get a clear indication of the quarterback until like a quarter into the Boston College game. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's going to intentionally be kept on as big of a leash as it can be as well as trying to get all the guys as many reps as possible probably having some sort of platoon approach for at least part of the season um so that's something that we'll kind of just have to wait for until we actually see how this offense is operating to see what they decide to do um as far as the team as a whole i'm a lot of it comes down to the boston college game and i've been looking more at that game and I don't see a reason why Rutgers cannot win that game, and I think a good Rutgers team will win that game, but I also think that this team can be good and lose that game. They will just need some time to tune up. Like, this is a young team, and this is an extremely talented team. There are a ton of really talented guys on this team, but they are young, and they will need some time to work things out. So I could see a pretty good season coming out, even if that Boston College game doesn't go great. Um, but at the same time, it would be a huge tone setter if they were really able to really show up in that first week of the season. Yeah, and talking more about this Boston College team, they had a really topsy-turvy season last year. Obviously, they've had roster turnover from a season ago, but they started off really strong. They started the year 6-0. and Now, four of those were non-conference victories, but they took care of business in that side of the schedule and got big wins against a couple of good football teams in Virginia Tech and Missouri, lost a close game to Clemson, lost actually lost four in a row after that in ACC competition to Clemson, NC State, Louisville and Syracuse before winning their last two games of the year. So it was really a weird season for Boston College going very much back and forth, starting off strong and then slipping up in the second half. But they're a team that took care of business in non-conference play, didn't really have too many huge tests on that non-conference schedule. But this is a BC team that definitely you can't forget about. They're a really solid team. They play in the ACC, and while that conference has been a bit down in football over the last couple of years, still a very solid conference with a lot of really strong programs, and Boston College is one of those teams. So especially with Rutgers having to go on the road, and like Dennis said, I kind of agree with him. I don't think we're going to really know what direction they're going starting quarterback-wise until during that first game, and you might not even know till after that first game because 
judging by what we saw from this offense with Shiano in the Gator Bowl last year, Rutgers literally used four different quarterbacks in that game. And at some points in that game, especially in the second quarter, they were rotating quarterbacks out each play. One would go to the sidelines, another one would come in. Now, do I expect that to happen this year? I don't think so. But I do think it won't be so settled because you've got someone in Vedral who has won Big Ten games before and has been a serviceable quarterback, especially last year. And then you've got the young Gavin Wimstadt that you'd love to see get a full-time opportunity after playing pretty well in the games he could play last year. Uh, David, you know, with this Rutgers team balancing between Vedral and Wimsat, when you go into this first week, personally for you, who would you rather see at quarterback for that first game? I mean, obviously I'm going to say Wimsat. Yeah. I mean, that's the fun answer. And I mean, what I don't want to see is them just switching guys out. And then even after the first game, there being questions on who's going to start and if you're going to come in for a couple like running plays or any of that. Um, this isn't last year, so I it it's not. Gavin Wimsett's been here for a minute at this point, so yeah, whatever they do, I, I hope it's more stable and they just kind of stick with it more. So, but obviously, I want to see Wimsett play. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Gavin Wimsett proved himself last year. He had a couple of big games specifically in the Illinois game and he played well in the bowl game and I, I think he's earned that opportunity now that he got that experience there were a lot of questions about how much they were going to play him last year to maintain the redshirt eligibility they did that and now that he's had some experience playing especially in some tough road environments in the Big Ten he played at Illinois he played at Penn State played in a bowl game so he got some real experiences in those situations he's a bit more battle tested now and a little bit more of a veteran presence so I personally would much rather see him out there than Noah Vedral because you sort of already know what you're getting with Vedral, whereas Wimsat has a very high ceiling, and I think he's going to make some improvements from last year. He made some mistakes last season. He threw a couple of picks, but I'd like to see Wimsat getting that chance, but I don't really know what to expect beyond that. Another thing that I really wonder about with this team, and Brett, I'll go to you first. Defensively, obviously Fadakazi and others are gone. This team still has a strong defense, but it's definitely not the same names and the same unit that they had last year that played pretty well in some Big Ten games, specifically against Michigan and Northwestern. So what are your expectations on the defensive side of the ball for Rutgers after losing some key leaders after the 2021 season? Yeah, I mean, th this defense right now is especially uh... – you know, it's kind of like you're saying they're they're completely different because last year where you had a stronger D line and a weaker secondary, this year's outlook so far is experienced secondary leading the way, making it easier on the defensive line. Now, um, with with a lot of new names, a lot of incoming, you know, there's a lot of sophomores, a lot of freshmen. Um, it, it's definitely not going to be pretty at times for the pass rush, but getting these guys meaningful reps is going to be key for their development. So, it, so in terms of expectations, I, I feel like, you know, fans, media, like, shouldn't put them too high. But at the same time, you got to be encouraged by young guys already getting run in practice, playing meaningful snaps in the season. It's going to be good not only for their development, but the future of the Rutgers defense as we get into years two, three, four, maybe in their careers. And further along in uh, Gavin Wimsett's tenure as a Scarlet Knight. Because it's it's the same thing even with him, you know. Like he, like sure, Vedral is the most experienced, but you, it's kind of like you said, Eddie. You already know what you're going to get out of him. And Wimsat uh, had some really good flashes. He had a couple early mistakes, but it's because it's his first taste of college action. 
Why not give the kid a shot? He is the future of that position. And just overall, both units, it's very exciting. So we'll leave it at that for now. Obviously, Rutgers football starts September 3rd, just about three weeks away. The actual college football season starts with a couple of games on August 27th, so we are within two weeks of Big Ten football returning. So definitely going to be a lot to break down and very exciting for college football and college sports to be back in. Obviously, the WRSU crew throughout the fall season will be covering all of that and have a lot more news with soccer, field hockey, and other sports getting going in the very near future as well. But we'll leave it at that. When we come back, it's time for Locks of the Week. Also, some big news in the NBA just moments ago about Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers. We'll talk about that when we come back. Very interesting story. But until then, Eddie Kalegi with David Palumbo, Dennis Geisler, and Brett Hahn. And you're listening to the WRSU Monday Crew on 88.7 FM and streaming live at WRSU.com. And the Mystics, the Wings, all of those are top playoff teams. Obviously, they get a couple days off before having to face this first game against Liberty, but they've kind of had to run the gauntlet lately and have dropped a couple of games on along that way. On the other end, the Liberty are really good. Um, INSQ is obviously like a budding superstar for the league. Um, the Liberty have a bunch of other good young players. I've been watching a lot of uh, Han Shu, who has probably the most fascinating skill set i've ever seen in basketball like the comparison point for han shu is like what if chet holmgren had the same skill set he has but was like seven six that is like the comparison to han shu and the wnba um she's fascinating i'm really interested to see what happens later in her career um but overall like i think the liberty are like a young scrappy team that can pull a game like this on the road and plus 250 i kind of like for how, the the direction both of these teams have been heading in so uh yeah liberty plus 250 money line over the sky i can second that point about han shu because a little backstory this summer i've been working at a driving range and in, like in the at the desk in the pro shop and there's a tv in there but I do not have any control of what channel is on. So you work there. Yes. Whatever channel is put on, I just I, I have to agree with and I just How? have to watch. You're an employee. Yeah, I, it's it's set in the office. <laughs> like a, it's set like in the a office. Five year old is not allowed to touch the remote. <laughs> yeah, that's well that's I can so turn it, I can turn it off, but I, I wanna have something on. So oh, oftentimes wow. it's yes, but most I work on Wednesdays and Fridays, and every Friday the Yankees are not on TV because they put Apple the game TV on Plus. Amazon. Yes, yeah, so Amazon. I, so I end up watching the Liberty, and I've seen Han Shu play, and she is very, very good. Her and Yonescu. So I, I think I, I like that lock. Uh, I've I've watched some. Uh, I don't think that's how you spell it. I know. I know. Uh, so yeah, I, <laughs> um, I I'm I, I've watched a lot of the Liberty and. I've seen them play well, and Unescu, I think, is really talented. I've seen she's had a couple of triple-doubles this year, which are very rare in the WNBA. And uh, she, I know she had a bad injury and missed most of the season the last oh, yes. couple of years. She's been able to play the full season this year. And Hanshu can hit three-pointers, too. There was one game she had, I think, five threes. So mm-hmm. the mix- I, I watched most of that game, and I was vexed. That, that was where I was introduced to Hanshu. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> um and I think that was like one of her first like breakout games, like career long, uh, and she's only gotten better over the season. So yeah. I'm fascinating player <laughs> for I've one. I've seen her on also, Instagram before. She's she's only, good. Yeah, she's really good. She's only 22 as well. That's so crazy. That's crazy. Long future ahead of her. 
in the WNBA. So, uh, David, we'll wrap it up with you. Where are you going, Locks, tonight? Okay, so this is just pretty much based off my previous Locks. So, my main misses, I went Marlins money line. That was my first miss. And then I went Marlins money line again. That was my second miss. Um, and now I'm kind of... It's, it's there's so little chance it happens, but if Edwin Diaz somehow won the Cy Young, it it would need an Alcantara complete collapse. So, he's pitching tonight for the Marlins. So instead of going Marlins money line, which has failed me, we're just gonna go Padres money line, which kind of insinuates a Alcantara bad start as well. So a little double double both. Who's pitching for San Diego? Joe Musgrove. Oh, Musgrove. Another beast. Well, yeah, this could also just turn into. Well, it would work it's, out. Uh, and it's yeah, it would it? work out minus one fifty two. It would work out for you in the short term because I think that could be a pitcher's duel, and you know maybe Soto or Bell or whatever hits a home run and the Padres like win one nothing. But that might not do that much to uh, bring Edwin. Into oh the no, 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 no! We're gonna need multiple yeah. collapses yeah, here. We're, we're gonna need some, and maybe a season-ending injury tonight too, which I'm not hoping for in any way. I'm actually hoping against. Don't root for injuries, but that might be needed for Diaz to somehow win the Cy Young. I mean, Edwin's been really impressive. He ran into some trouble on Saturday night, but he, he was able to get out, and that's why this Mets team is different. But we'll talk more about the Mets in the second hour because three of the four people here are Mets fans. When we come back, though, we're going to talk about some Ben Simmons news that just dropped in the recent hour and also recap the first week of NFL preseason football. So stay with us here on WRSU-FM New Brunswick. Can we just talk? Can we just talk? Back here on the WRSU crew, Monday Summer Edition, Eddie Kalegi, David Palumbo, Dennis Geisler, and Brett Hahn. So, some news dropped in the NBA world, kind of random and out of nowhere. So, of course, Ben Simmons is on the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, people think he's going to play this season. Who knows who's going to play for the Nets at this point this year, but... Adrian Wojciechowski tweeted less than an hour ago that Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers have reached a settlement agreement on the grievance the All-Star Guard filed to recoup a portion of the nearly $20 million withheld from him as a result of his failure to play in the 2021-22 season. Uh, The exact financial settlement, they haven't announced how much money Simmons is getting, but there was a confidential mutual agreement between the two sides, and Wojciechowski added that the 76ers maintained Simmons breached his contract upon failing to show up for the start of the, pre- the training camp and refusing to play in the preseason and regular season prior to trade with the Nets. Simmons cited his mental health for the reason his participation in team activities was so limited. So, of course, the Ben Simmons saga, I I was at least under the impression that that was over and things had calmed down. But all of a sudden now, it seems kind of riled up again. And Ben Simmons suddenly getting money and compensation back from the 76ers. Now, I assume it's really not that much because the Sixers are still upset that he didn't play for the first half of the season and then were forced to trade him. And he still didn't end up playing when he went to Brooklyn. But, Brett, I'll go to you first. You know, your reaction to this news and the big question at this point, obviously we don't know about Kyrie or KD, but let's just talk about Ben Simmons for a second. Do you think he's actually going to suit up and play for the Nets this year? So it's so tough to evaluate him because Ben Simmons just ever since he missed the layup, he, he's just been so soft. And I and 
I can see him suiting up this year, but I can see him getting booed. And then the moment he gets booed, he's just going to stop playing. But the, the crazy thing about him and, and this grievance is that I, I'm actually looking at an article now. And he's, oh, no, reportedly saw, all right, never mind, never mind, I apologize. I thought it said he regained $20 million. I was about to lose my marbles even more. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, like Ben Simmons, I mean, when he's on the court, he's a very good defensive player. He's good at rebounding. Um, he, he's just not a point guard. I've been saying this for years. I mean, he, he would be perfectly suited at the four. And if if the Nets keep Kyrie and Ben Simmons plays down in the post, I don't see a reason why they still won't be good. As a Rockets fan, I want the Nets to suck because we have, we have their picks. But, I mean, right now, realistically, it's looking like Ben Simmons is going to stay. It looks, it looks looking like Kyrie Irving's not going to go anywhere. It's only KD that's really put an ultimatum down on things. So... I expect Ben Simmons to suit up. Yeah, and then, of course, the big question will be, does his play style change at all, or will he play the exact same way and still be afraid to shoot the ball? I don't really expect there to be any drastic changes to the way Simmons plays on the court, uh, and I don't really think this group that the Nets are going to have, even if Kyrie and KD are both there, are really going to be necessarily conducive to him becoming a better player. The only thing I will say is that if Irving and Durant are both there, obviously there's less reliance on Simmons on the offensive side, and he can focus more on defense, rebounding, and passing, which is where he thrives as a player and the reason he's a two-time All-Star. So it's going to be tough. And obviously I think if Kevin Durant leaves – it's going to be or refuses to play and sits out. It's going to put the Nets in a worse situation, yes, but it also put Ben Simmons in a worse situation because then he'll be sort of counted on to carry a lot of the offensive load, something he's really not capable of doing, and we've seen it time and time again with him. Uh, so I don't really know what to expect with the Nets at this point. And Obviously, this news breaks with him and the Sixers, and there's been the rumors, too, about if Kevin Durant would potentially land in Philly because him and James Harden have uh, supposedly squashed all the beef, but I don't know what the Sixers even have that the Nets would want because I don't think the Sixers would be willing to part with all of their young talent, and like I've said before, Rudy Gobert ruined the market, so they're going to, I mean, that, there's, that, there's nothing they can really do because... Rudy Gobert got so much back for him that Kevin Durant, it would just have to be a mammoth return. And I don't know if any team is really willing to sacrifice their future for a 34-year-old star. So, Dennis, I, we've talked about it a couple of times in this show, but at this point, where we are with Kevin Durant, do you see him going anywhere? And do you, Or do you see him even playing on opening night for the Brooklyn Nets? Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what his feelings like if i mean if the nets had it their way which realistically is the way they keep kd they keep Kyrie, ben simmons plays and that's a pretty good opening day lineup i like i if you had to name a problem with the harden Kyrie, durant nets which didn't get to play together much but it was that they were basically all offense and basically no defense this evens them up quite a bit ben simmons is able to cover up the defense it means they don't have as many uh uh how do i put it they don't have as many guys who want to take shots uh it, i i think the team looks really really good right now um and 
So I feel like if Durant starts the season playing, the team is going to start playing pretty well. And at that point, like, why mess with success, especially when you're KD and you're like, oh, man, I <laughs> I, I, I want to look good on this good team. I, I don't know. I, it's a weird situation, and I don't have any strong guesses on what behind the scenes is going on or what it'll look like. But on the court... I, I can see this team, and this team's really good in theory. Yeah, and you l- just look at the roster right now. If they don't trade Kevin Durant, and Kevin Durant is just willing to play, this is a good team. You've got Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Claxton at center, probably Royce O'Neal in the starting lineup, and then you've got a bench with Patty Mills, Cam Thomas, TJ Warren, De'Ron Sharp. There's... There's a nice mix of young and veteran talent on this team. You've got some players who have been together now for a couple of years. In essence and on paper, and that's been the story of the Nets these last three years, on paper this should be a good team, but can it come together? And are these guys going to be willing to play? I have never seen a team where you have questions about their three, all three of their best players if they're actually going to play. Because Kevin Durant... And, clear- and, and that even unrelated to injury (laughs) yeah because obviously like all these three players have had injury struggles in the past few years but apart from that all three of these players are prone to just well two of them are prone to not playing and durant has requested a trade so all three of them have huge question marks and i guess that's the big question is that it's like do the players care if the team looks really good and do the players at least want to feel out if the team is good. Like that's uh, part of my thing with Durant is that it's like, I feel like he requested a trade too late into the off season yeah. because if he did it earlier in the off season, teams would have been like, okay, all of our assets, here's what we have. Here's what we can offer. Here's what the nets might get back. They could do it right before the draft or something. But now it's like, okay, every team is basically ready for the upcoming season. They're not going to mess around any further with it. There's not a whole lot of assets for anybody to throw at each other. So I don't know. It seems like a difficult time for Durant to request a trade and not get some crazy 11th hour deal. Yeah. And if you like recall the timeline here too, I'm glad you mentioned that because Durant requested his trade. It was only about six hours before free agency opened. So he suddenly sprung that on a lot of teams who probably, let's be honest, had their ideas, had their plans set in place for what they were going to be doing when free agency opened and weren't really planning to pivot from their strategy. So throwing that out there, sure, there would be teams that wanted Kevin Durant, and the asking, but the asking price was going to be ridiculous, and a lot of these teams already had their plan set in stone with what they were going to do. And obviously, you don't know what happened behind the scenes, but... I don't understand if Kevin Durant felt this way when the season ended after they got swept by Boston, why he waited so long to say anything. He The, the season, had, uh, I mean, of course, the Nets were eliminated in the first round, and the NBA Finals had been over for almost a month when he requested his trade. So you would have thought maybe right after the Finals ended, if he didn't want to be a distraction during the postseason, 
that could still been three or four weeks before, like you said, it would have been before the draft, and all of these teams would have been a little more flexible, and the Nets probably would have been a little more willing to listen and consider a realistic and serious offer if they knew they were going to get more back, and these teams would have been more willing to part with more pieces, but when you had these assets already set with the draft and these plans made for free agency, he really requested a trade at the worst possible time, especially coming right on the, you know, the heels of Rudy Gobert getting traded to Minnesota for such a massive haul. So just a weird spot. But like I was saying, I've never seen a team where the three best players all might not play at the beginning of the season. And like Dennis said, none of it has to do with injury. Kyrie Irving has had a history of missing games the last couple of years for various reasons, even before the COVID vaccine mandate. Ben Simmons did not play a single game last year. And Kevin Durant is threatening to sit out. And Kevin Durant wants the coach that he brought, he and Kyrie recruited to coach the team. He wants him fired. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are the ones who brought in Steve Nash, who had no coaching experience whatsoever, to replace Kenny Atkinson, who had gotten the Nets to the playoffs back-to-back years. So, I just don't understand it, and it's very complicated, and it's just so weird that it's late August, and training camp is going to start in about a month for NBA, and it's two months away from opening night, and you have no idea what the Nets really are going to look like this season because you don't know if there's going to be a trade that happens, if Durant's going to be out there, if Simmons is going to be out there, if Nash is still going to be the coach. It's crazy how in flux this team is, and that's a big reason why they were not selected to get a Christmas game. A lot of people were complaining yesterday on Twitter when they announced the Christmas games for this year. Why aren't the Nets in the schedule? Well, who knows who's even going to be there? That's why. So I'll leave it at that with Brooklyn right now. Um but, you want to briefly talk about those Christmas games? <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead. We might as well finish the hour with that. Um, there were five games announced on Christmas. Uh, one of the games that really jumped out to me was the Grizzlies and the Warriors. Obviously, they had a very heated postseason series uh, last year. The you mind if I just read them real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Warriors-Grizzlies, 76ers-Knicks, Bucks-Celtics, Lakers-Mavericks, and Suns-Nuggets. All right, so let's let's break them down. So Bucks Celtics, they had a great playoff series last year. Went seven games. Chris Middleton being out, a big reason the Celtics were that's, able to. That's move almost on. the ideal Christmas game, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's that, you don't get much better than that. That's gonna be a good game. That's gonna probably be the one where they have Hubie Brown sitting there and giving his great analysis. That that feels like that's gonna be one of the big ones. Grizzlies and Warriors is gonna be one of the primetime games as well because of just the. The drama we saw in the meetings in the playoffs last year and John Morant, Steph Curry, a lot of very entertaining players are going to be out there. Yeah, both of those teams will be really good. So, The Knicks getting a Christmas game. I know they want the New York market, but I don't know. I feel like last year they played the Sixers. The last time they played the Sixers on a nationally televised game, they got absolutely destroyed and lost by like 35 points. And I remember that because I was on an RSU trip to Illinois and I was in Champaign in a hotel with Christian watching it. And I was watching the Knicks mm. get absolutely clapped on a Sunday afternoon by the Sixers. <laughs> Having to be in Champaign. Yes. It was, it was the perfect combo. <laughs> enjoying, enjoying the beautiful Champaign-Urbana area and watching the Knicks get absolutely destroyed by James Harden and Joel Embiid. I mean, you can't ask for a better Sunday. And now we can watch the Knicks get destroyed by Harden and Embiid again on Christmas Day. So that 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 I don't really like that one. Uh, Sun- That's the thing. It's like I I understand why people say that they would prefer the Nets if the other option is the Knicks. <laughs> yeah. I guess they do have Brunson and all that, but even then, I think like 
obviously you want the New York market and all that, but like everybody's going to be watching it anyway. It doesn't really matter all that much and put the heat in instead. <laughs> like, come on, just put the heat in instead. Yeah, but you got You also have to remember the precedent. Like there have been many times that the Knicks have gotten a Christmas game, usually like that 12 o'clock game when they've been absolutely horrible. I remember one year. Really- I mean, that's why it's like fascinating to me where this is the first time the Grizzlies are ever getting a Christmas game. Mm hmm. And it's like, yeah, they're a young franchise. Yeah, they haven't been all that good. But, like, think of how many games there are on Christmas. Like, it's like a third of the league plays on Christmas every single year. And the Grizzlies haven't done it a single time. And the Knicks have done it so many times when they've been so bad. It's like, come on. (laughs) Now, they didn't put the Pelicans this year because they had tried to do that a couple of times and get Zion Williamson on. They are not on the schedule. The Suns and Nuggets should be a fun one. Jokic, uh, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and then Lakers, Mavs. I mean, no surprise there. No matter how bad the it's Lakers are. It's not surprising are, the LeBron Lakers James, are in there. LeBron but... <laughs> James is, and the Lakers are going to be on Christmas Day every day, every Christmas for eternity. And Luka Doncic had a great year with Dallas. So, overall, I like the matchups for the most part. But I think the two headlining games for sure are going to be the Bucks, celtics and Grizzlies-Warriors. I also saw the Lakers and Warriors is going to be opening night uh, for the ring ceremony in Golden State, so that should be a fun matchup as well. I'll be interested to see what they have as the East Coast game that night as well on opening night. I assume probably Boston or Milwaukee or Philly will be playing in that. Brooklyn was on opening night the last couple of years, but again, I think there's going to be some hesitancy to schedule them on national games when you don't know who's actually going to be playing on that team. So that's the Christmas schedule. Obviously, they're going to be dropping more information about the schedule in the next couple of weeks as they finalize things before September 1st. I think that's when they drop the entire schedule. So we'll probably talk more about that uh, at a later time. But that will wrap up hour one here of the WRSU crew.